Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. So for several days now, I've been seeing the finger of God right on the wall. And so when Aaron began to sing that, um, I feel like that he was singing prophetically what God was going to do in our hearts tonight. It's it's just, the Holy Spirit's just for me. He's just different all the time. I don't have any predetermined song or message or just some orchestrated plan, but I just trust in the yielding of, of what He wants to always do and say. And so I began to see this finger of God and... Um, You know, God does, God never speaks outside of his nature. Do you believe that? But can't we admit just as, as we've grown up in life, we have flawed definitions of God that, you know, I'm going to be teaching this personality class on Monday and I was just revisiting some of my old stuff and, and it, and looking at even some new stuff, you know, because new stuff just happens. And uh, this guy was saying that no matter who you are, you have a predetermined way of thinking while you're communicating. And if you're not careful, your predetermined process will get in the way of what's really true. He did this little exercise where he had this picture up on the screen and it said silk, S-I-L-K, really big. And he just kept saying to people, he said, what do you see up there? And they were like, silk, you know. And he said, no, say it again, silk. He kind of got them chanting silk. He said, now what does a cow drink? And they all said milk. And he stopped and he said, but it's not true. Cows don't drink milk. And so... That's happening in the room right now that, you know, I don't know how they do it. You know, it's almost like sometimes I think, I don't even know what I'm going to say, but the one obscure thing out there somewhere they seem to sing about, and that that's, for me, that's the only reason to show up, is to watch the mystery of God unfold when you know you didn't tell anybody all about it. Have you had that happen yet? Yeah. And so in Daniel 5, I'm not going to have you turn there. Can I just give you my Teresa rendition of it? In Daniel 5, there is an instance where God wrote on the wall. And the reason why God had to write on the wall was because in Moses' day, when he pulled them out of slavery, God's desire was that he would write his ways internally on people's hearts. And that's, that's God's greatest desire today still, is that he would write on you what's on his heart. And in turn, because of the finger of God writing on the wall of your heart, you would call him your God. You would say, I know him. I don't know everything about him. 
But oh, I know him. And so I would look for things that looked like him. So I would say, oh, I know him. And, you know, it's, it's no lie that I'm in a season of grief. I mean, no matter what my dad and I's relationship was, he was still my only dad. My mom was married to him for 67 years. That's older than I am, longer than I am old. I was trying to give you a little levity. And so part of my grief process is just humor. I'm just a funny girl. And so I, I send a lot of stuff to our little group at home. And so I told them that my Ash dad was ready and that I would be going to pick him up in his army flag container. And I actually found a little GIF what do you call those? I call them something else, but anyway, where it said, it literally said on here, here he is, boys, a little urn sitting on the table. Here's our beloved Kenny. It actually said that on the, and so, of course, they had to get that because, you know, and then I had told them a story about ashes becoming rocks, and so today Phil had went and got me some rocks, and they were laying on the counter, and Tracy sent me a text and said, is this Kenny? That's that's my God. I know him. <laughs> I don't know if that messes with your theology or something, but but I can promise you my dad is up in heaven roaring with laughter. That the thing that he was so dogmatic about his whole life that he would never be cremated. I go Friday to pick up my ash dad. I didn't think I'd ever say those words in my whole life. That's my God. See, He knows. You know, Holy Spirit is my very best friend. You don't understand. And so when He knows what I need, He brings us what we need. That's Him writing on my heart. So now when I think about my dad, I think about Ashdad. And I thought I'd never say that. That will carry me through to the end of my days. You know, I was seven when my mom's dad died of cancer. And my, my mom's family is, they were a bunch of HSPs. We didn't even know those initials back then. He was an HSP. My mom's sister was. My mom is. I mean, can you imagine being around a bunch of highly sensitive people? And then there was my grandma. She was not an HSP. She lived to be 96 and just tormented them to death till the day she died. She's the one that said, are these mine? Yes, those are yours. But doesn't God have a sense of humor? And so in that moment when I was seven, death changed for me. Because my aunt walked in the door and she said, don't cry. But it's okay if you cry. But don't cry because he's in heaven right now. And I never looked at death the same way. I went years, a few years later, we went to a funeral and they were having cupcakes and celebrating. And I said, this is the way to celebrate. 
I wrote a whole worship song yesterday for my dad's little memorial that bro and Shudy are going to sing that they don't know yet. Because why? Because it's time to worship. The lamb came and got one of his brides. That's all that happened. And so when I think about this story in Daniel, I think about my dad. And I think that in, in Daniel, there was a king that was enthroned at that time. And his name was Belshazzar. And he was the predecessor, no, he was the successor of Nebuchadnezzar. Does anybody know the story of Nebuchadnezzar or Nezer or however you want to say him? This is Weezer guy. The story of Nebuchadnezzar is this, is that God made him a great and mighty man. And he forgot God. I love Bill Johnson. He said, God will never bless you. If Jesus is king, God will never bless you more than what would replace him. So doesn't that tell you something? That tell you that you're constantly needing the finger of God to write on your heart. You're constantly needing to get out of the way something that's in the way for him to have more notepaper on your heart. What gets in the way? Well, let's look at Weezer. His own self. Preservation of self. Think about it. A created entity is thinking so pridefully that they have the answers above the Creator. And what happened to Weezer? As far as I know, he is the only man on planet Earth that, that began to walk around like an animal. Not because God was mad at him. See, here's the thing. If you can understand how good God is, he's a covering. Let me help you. If bad stuff is happening to you, and trust me, death is not a bad thing. Loss is not even bad. But if bad things are happening to you, it's potentially possible you're not under the covering. I'm not saying everything, everywhere, everything that's bad is the enemy. But I choose whether I'm under the covering or not. I choose whether the finger of God has room this day to say, who are you going to serve? Who are you going to serve today? You get to choose it every day. And, and so... The finger of God basically in Daniel 5 said this. Today, Beltman, I'm removing the kingship from you. Why? It said, he had taken the things from the priestly place of worship and had used them for a party. He had taken the holy thing. And he made it profane. He had taken the holy thing that was only meant to be used in a prescribed way. That's why I love God is that he has a prescribed way so we don't have to guess. I can't say I, I've made him Lord and I will worship him with all my heart and not participate in worship. It's impossible. 
It doesn't even matter if you agree. It's impossible for him to be Lord and not worship. And so sometimes the finger of God comes to right where we're wayward. You know, I love grace. Grace is the new covenant. In other words, all of that stuff happened in the old covenant, but it was still the character and nature of God. Jesus came so that our access to God became restored. But the standard of God didn't change. If anything, because of grace, the standard became more clear. And so it's less likely that we miss what the standard of God is because of the new covenant. So if I have offense in my heart, I forgive. (laughs) That's the new covenant. If I look on somebody and I lust what they have for it to do something for me, I've already sinned whether I do an action or not. Why? Because it's about the heart. We can have a bunch of 12-step programs, not against them. We can have Celebrate Recovery. Lynn was director of that once. We can have all these things, but the reality is that he's just trying to take his one finger and write on your heart. And when the finger of God begins to write, everything about me has to change because I've made room for the embedding of his ways. I've made room for something that I would not know without him. And it honestly... It enraptures me to know what's the next cool thing God's going to do. See, here's the beautiful thing about the new covenant is that God doesn't have to write on the wall anymore. The Holy Spirit's writing internally. I don't have to get a marker and say up here, love one another. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. The Holy Spirit in me. And see, I get the Holy Spirit when I accept Jesus. Whether I actually expand Him through the speaking of tongues, through prophecy, through encouraging, through all the gifts. I'm getting to the gifts one day. Whether I use them all or not, I still have the Holy Spirit. Can't you feel Him? He's in there. He's like, He's like a player on the bench going, put me in, put me in, put me in, put me in. If you would just ask me, I would tell you. If you'll just ask me, I'll tell you. If you just ask me. You, Calandra, and I had a little thing yesterday, and it was interesting because I said, I know she's a melon. I'll explain what that is on Monday. I gave her a bunch of choices, too much for a melon. When they call, they don't want all those choices. They want just two. A, B, right? The most. And I said, I know this is too many choices for you, but dot, 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 left it there. And see, she's a good daughter of mine. And she said, I'll ask the Holy Spirit. I'm not offended at that. She asked me. I wanted her to participate in this exercise. And she said, I'll do what he said, but I don't know why. That just reminded me of the scripture. Can I read you a scripture? 
just because it came to my mind, I feel like that might be the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. You know, I was talking about David and Saul. Whenever God gave Saul instructions that I was speaking of before worship, and what did, Saul, what did I say Saul did? He didn't obey. This is what Samuel said to Saul. Not doing, this is in the message, 1 Samuel 15, 23, you know, the message, you don't know. Not doing what God tells you is far worse than fooling around in the occult. Now that shouldn't make us scared. Here's, here's my translation. You can play around with the devil. He's a wimp and you can play around with him, but not obeying God. That's worse for what in the new covenant? It's worse for my peace. God's not going to strike you dead. I wish he kind of would sometime, wouldn't you? So you'd kind of know the standard a little bit clearer, like, oh, oh, you know, we would be, right? <laughs> Come on. I mean, really? Because we get away with so much because we're in grace. Come on. We get away with so much because we're under grace. That's why obedience has to come from a choice. Listen, you can make a lot of choices and they can turn out really bad and you can just make one choice to turn towards God and He will throw stuff there, 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 there that you don't even work for. Did I finish my story about... Yes. Okay, listen, I have this other thing He told me. I feel like I have a bunch of these really cool puzzle pieces, okay? In Hebrews, I think it's, I'm looking, it's Hebrews 8, I think. Yeah. In Hebrews 8, listen to this. Now this is what God said to Moses, and this is Paul repeating it to the Hebrews. He said, I'm giving you a new covenant, Hebrews 8, and the passion. It will be an entirely different covenant. What's a covenant? Listen, we don't have anything really compared to it in America. We try to make marriage that, but it wasn't because you can get out. That's not a covenant. Are you with? A covenant is I'm choosing with my will. To lean into connection with you. Do you think God's going to be like, oh, I'll think about it. See, we live like God gets mad at our mistakes. And he doesn't. God wants us to live with the audacity to believe I've never sinned. That's how he sees it. When I come to him and say, forgive me for my sins, bam, it's gone. We're the ones that hold it against people, ourselves. Self-focused. We need God to do another action more than Jesus for us. But this is what he said. I'm giving them a different covenant. He said, I was the one that led them out of Egypt. I was the one that made a covenant with their fathers, Abraham, on and on. 
but they did not remain faithful to my covenant. For here is the covenant I will establish one day. That's this day. I'm telling you, this is Joel 2 and you right now. I will embed my laws or another version is I will imprint, write my laws within their thoughts. That's the new covenant. Think for a minute. How many thoughts do you have that are outside the covenant? Here's the covenant. I love you. God says, you're my beloved. That's the covenant. And you say, I love you. You're my God. I will have no other. That's the covenant. Everything that we have need of on this earth is in the covenant. You can't even make this kind of covenant with people because they can't give you everything you need. We thought that's what a marriage was. Remember when you got, remember when you got married and you said, this is what you thought, didn't you? Can I tell you what you thought? It's okay. They're going to meet all my needs. That's what you thought, right? And guess what? They couldn't because they had so many needs. I'll teach you this on Monday, but then you set up a hierarchy. You get codependent. You got the over-responsible and the under-responsible. We are happy, baby. But guess what? Somebody gets mad eventually. Why? Because you can't make a covenant with something that doesn't have the ability to supply it all to you. You can make a covenant when it, this is the covenant you can make with people. I'll give you 100%, 100% of the time. That's what I'll do. I will come up here 100% of the time and I'll be ready to give you something 100% of the time. That's my covenant to you. As a leader of leaders, that's my covenant to you. Do you come 100%, 100% of the time? Or what's, what you got tonight? You got 30, you got 40, you got 50, what you got, huh? Then you receive the level that you came in to receive. You came in wanting 20, you gave me 20, you get 20 back. I got 100. But God's different. He gets to make this covenant because he's the writer. And see, this is what he said. I will embed my laws within their thoughts and fasten them onto their hearts. What kind of fasteners are you using? Like a clothespin or... What kind of fastener is he using? I propose to you. Can I propose it to you? It's obedience. The fastener to keep his laws on your heart is obedience. Joy Dawson said this, I would rather pay the price to hear God's voice personally, regardless of how difficult the circumstances may be, then have to settle for always hearing him from someone else or secondhand. Listen, the people that wrote the Bible were human beings. 
Do you think the finger of God stopped writing? Do you think God said, well, kids, that's all I got to say. Good luck to you. Go do it. Listen, right now, sitting in this room, there are people who are going to write books. Why? Because God's not done writing. You know, I like, I've been, I've been telling you, I've been reading this book by John Bevere, and he pointed out these, these five, these five. That didn't look right when I. Are these mine? See where that comes from right there, don't you? He said, he said, we have got to live from unconditional obedience. Have you ever done this? Have you ever said, well, I'd feel better. If they would just do me right. Well, I would obey God, but that's all the money I have. I was going to, I earmarked that for something else. A major attribute of godly, holy fear is unconditional obedience to what he says and to his word. And he, he gave these five things. Obey God immediately. Have you ever delayed? Anybody ever kind of felt, I think I feel God breathing on that. And you went, well, give me a confirmation. And then you watch someone else get that trip to Hawaii right there in front of you. I got your attention there. Have you ever, have you ever done that? What's your response to that? Are you like, I'm a worm. I'll never do it right. I'll just miss it over and over. Here are your dialogue right now. Everybody's missed him. It ain't a thing. You want a prize? I'll give you a prize. Come up here. I'll give you a Kleenex. It's not a thing. Everybody misses God. But the, the goal is he never quits speaking and he always gives you another chance. Because what's the goal of God? One and done? What's, what do you know him to be? However you know him to be, that's how you'll experience him. I know him to know I cannot mess this thing up. It's the best gig ever. I cannot mess this up. I remember a day when he, he began to tell me, why don't you listen back to your sermons because you talk way too fast. And I was like, oh, that's kind of offensive, God. <laughs> all right and I was like wow I talk really fast I'm a really fast talker this is really slow for me and, I, and he began to tweak all these things it was so uncomfortable but he said if you're going to be a dy dynamic speaker of mine you got to slow down nobody can hear what you're saying now, I just love God. That's my God. Why do we want to act like we don't need any tweaking? Like, what are we doing with that? Yeah, I've just arrived just because I showed up. I mean, let me help you. You should go to your boss and say, fair game. Anything right here you need to change? We're always like trying to hide out. Don't want to know anybody know much about me. No, we need to be like an open book and say, hey. Train me. Yeah. 
Teach me. Don't you hate when you go to a job and you think you know everything? I got to brag on Jared a little bit. You know, he's a dude. He's come to work for us for a couple of days. And I know Pam must have, must have prompted him. I'm not for sure, but <laughs> he was working with Sidwo. Sidwo is not an extrovert. She's channeling her inner Teresa and Pam all the time, but she processes at a different speed. All introverts process slower than extroverts. It's not. It's not a. It's a, it's not a negative. It's a reality. And if you're going to be in a relationship with an introvert, and you want to be, how many are in relationship with an introvert right now? Beautiful. I'm talking to y'all. To learn to speak introvert, you have to remember that it is not about you. And see, I like to think of God as an introvert. It really has helped change my life because I'm not an introvert. And I'm just like, oh, I will wait. Because you know what I know about him? He's got a rocket about to come out of his mouth, and I want to be right there ready to catch it. I want to be right there. So little Jared comes in now. I know he's an extrovert. He's me. He's a double me. (laughs) And I know he's done stuff. He's old. Look at him. He's done stuff. (laughs) But you know what? What are we doing? I don't want to know what he knows. I want to know if he can follow. Because why? Because he's my son. He don't even know it yet. But see, it's my job to teach him to be great. And he can't be great knowing it all. Right, Phil? He can't be great. Most guys, they think that's what we want to know. (laughs) They think the world wants to know everything you know how to do. Let me help you. No one does. We want to see if you can get low, if you can serve, if you can actually build a safe place. If you're in a relationship with an introvert, you have got to make a safe place. They don't operate any other way. Obey God immediately. Obey God, especially when it doesn't make sense. His ways, let's say it. His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are greater than my thoughts. Why would I think that he would tell me the entire story when he's just seeing if I can bring a pencil? That he provided. It says that he wants to entrust us with the little. You know, I've, I've lived without. I mean, this will be shocking to you, but I know for a fact that in my childhood, I know it was different times because I'm 100 years old, but my dad made $12,000 a year. And my mom, we had roast. I didn't like it. We had roast. We had chicken fried steak. We had grub. We I never went hungry. I never wanted to eat, but we I never went hungry. 
I was a picky rear. Why? Because she, she made magic out of nothing. Because what did she do? She obeyed even when it didn't make sense. I would hear her in the other room telling God, we don't have any money, God. It's not even actually a bad place to not have any money. You'll kind of figure out that the blessings are really hard to steward. It's almost easier when you're just crapping out your life and you don't even care. Right, Lynn? Stealing you a car here and there. At least Lynn was a good car stealer. At least she stole Range Rovers. Obey God when you don't see a personal benefit. This will be your hardest test. You know, let me tell you the end game. That you become a gift to God. See, right now you're just needing some gifts. You're just needing God to do stuff. I need God to do stuff for me. I need Him to come through. i got some prayers going up. I need this. I need a house. I need a car. I need a job. I need some shoes. I need some. I need me a person. I need my person. I need my person. He's your person. He's your car. He's your house. He's all those things you need. If you obey Him, when it's of no obedience to you. Obeying when it's painful. You know how you obey God? You just say yes. You know, I talked to some people here at church before Jared came to church the first time. And I said, this guy's coming, and I have this feeling he's going to need a place to stay. I don't know anything about him, but I need you to prepare a room for him. I'm not even for sure that he really wanted what I saw in advance needed to happen. But there came a day where he had no other choice. And those people in this church, they went and got him. They brought him home. They gave him a bed. They gave him food. Clothing's happening right now. Job. Why? Because it's his son. That's my God. That's my God. That's his son. He don't care. What he did three weeks ago on a Thursday night. That's his son. You see, I will love his sons and daughters back into the fold. Will you? That's what obedience affords you. It affords you the opportunity to say, that boy don't have one red cent. In fact, he's in the hole. You know what I love? He's. I'm pretty sure God showed me some cool things about him, but he reminds me a little bit of Shudi whenever she first came. She just laughed a lot. She didn't really even know why. But the pressure was gone, and the trying to make my own life be something was gone. And you know, the first thing both of them did was cut their hair. 
cue the laugh button. I don't even know why it's funny. I don't even, no one told them to. No one said anything. But they had some weird attraction with their hair. That's God. That's, that's what it says in this verse. He said, if I can find it. Let me just tell it to you. Basically, that no one will have to teach them because my spirit within them will teach them. That's what we're opening our hearts to. We're opening our hearts up to be taught by the creator of the entire universe. And doesn't it make sense to you that if he has a way that is for my benefit, because he can't turn himself off, Every God so loved that he gave. God so loved that he gave. God so loved. God so loves. God so loves. So when he comes to me and he says, son, it's not to ruin my life. It's that I might have a life. That I might. He wants to John 10 tennis. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. It's personal to him. You know, obedience is the open door to the refining process. I mean, trust me, he can't be who he is today and be what God called him to be. He is just in process. So don't go to him and expect him to give you a bunch of wisdom, even if he gives it freely, because he's in process. There's not anything wrong with that. As he leans into the process, well, that's why I told him God can do for you in two years what it took somebody else 20. It's about leaning. And I'm sure everything in him, because he's an extrovert, wants to know what's going to happen next. But it's the leaning. It's the giving up. It's the yielding. The last one is obey God to completion. You'll learn on Monday that the greatest percentage of personalities on the planet is a sanguine. And their number one thing is they start out strong and they never finish. But they make up the majority of the people on the planet. So what does that tell us about the planet? I didn't make up these statistics. What did that tell us about the people on the planet? A lot of uncompletedness. I think Breezy and Bro were two really high sanguines that gave up a whole lot of stuff to be here. But guess what? All that stuff... They would come and say, I don't know if I'm supposed to be doing this, or I didn't make that up. They're starting out strong, made it up. I know, I'll insert myself here. I feel like I'm called here. God told me to do this here. And then he didn't. Clearly. And then he didn't. Because she's not doing what she used to do, and he's not doing it so clearly. He quit saying it. <laughs> However, that needs to happen for us. See, 
the, the prophetic gift doesn't, this is what you under, have to understand about God. The prophetic gift has to have a covering. Yes. You know, I was talking to Tessa the other day, and she is a blossoming little prophetic voice, and she's extremely, I'll say it like this. Some of you in here, part of the way the Holy Spirit operates on you is that you feel illnesses. If you're not careful, you'll be at the emergency room all the time when really it's God telling you somebody else. If you are one of those people that pick up on physical things, stop watching medical shows. Stop watching those shows where they cut everybody open at the hospital, like Grey's Anatomy. Stop. Because you're going to be so messed up. But then there's other people. I was telling a story about something else. There's other people who pick up, this is Tessa, who pick up on what the enemy's doing or what the enemy might do. Mendel has this too. And so if they're not careful, they'll think it's their problem. I don't know. I think that's how army does it. That's called the feeler gift. And see, that's why we have to learn to discern with the Holy Spirit what our gift's function is. There is no way God would redeem you, save you. Come on. We're in the fold. Come on. We're in the covering. Right, we're right here. Do you, can you see? You're on, you're on daddy's chest. That's, and then he's like, okay, now I'm going to make you sick. And now I'm going to torment you with devilish thoughts. But the Holy Spirit has gifts. And he's got to exercise them. When I signed up, and said, not my way, not my will, but yours. He's exercising his will through our gifts. And we have to learn to work with him for the proper outcome. So on Sunday, my back hurt. I had a horrible headache. I had two choices. Can you see them before you? This is a good example for you, isn't it? Yes. Yes. I could work on getting rid of my own headache. I really wanted it to be gone. It was excruciating. It was one of those ones that I'm like, oh. And I tried to say, I am under stress a little bit. Maybe it's that. Oh, my back's hurting. Well, we did lift that really heavy tub the other day. But you know what I did? I walked up here. And I said, she can heal your, she can heal your headache. She can heal your, come down here. That's just how easy it works. We make it so hard. I mean, if I'm not careful, I could have milked that back injury and that headache all the way to the ER. You know, Johnny Enlow talks about when you come up at, to someone and they start coughing, sometimes it's a little demon trying to come out. Not every time. All you black and whiters. <laughs> Discerning of gifts. Did I mention that? <laughs> What's my point? That God is at work on the earth, and he's looking for special agents to use the gifts of the Spirit within them to get training enough to where I don't think every single thing is about me. And to walk in the fullness of the discerning of spirits with the Holy Spirit, that's 
That is the whole reason. You know, when in the Old Testament, the anointing word is, is like a weighty word, like it makes you fat, not physically fat. It's, it enlarges you. That's what anointing means in the Old Testament, right? In the New Testament, the anointing is this, to furnish one with the necessary powers for its administration. I don't know about you, but I want that. I want, I want some fatness. Come on. I want some fatness of the Spirit, right? I want that, and I want the necessary power. To what? Administer the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Listen, I, this is what I believe. When God said he would pour out his spirit on all flesh, that little girl at the Moore funeral home, God's about to invade her life. That's what's about to happen. That's why she was at the ER. We just turn to what we think will give us the most relief. Did you hear me? Yes. We just turn to what we think will give us the most relief. In the supernatural, you don't get to do that anymore. Listen, I'm trying to help you. If you want to walk in the fullness of peace and prosperity, you have got to fulfill your destiny. You have got to fulfill your assignment. And in doing that, the Holy Spirit has something He's trying to flow out of you. Depending on how big you made your soul before you came to know this truth tonight. It has all kinds of ways to get attention, to get rid of pain, right? To cope. All of that is activity of the old covenant or the flesh or the carnal man, or the man that is not mindful of the Spirit. All of that gets reworked over here in the Spirit. And the stuff that you're like, wow, I've been sensitive to that my whole life. My whole life, I've just known stuff. Anybody else have that? Just like you would just know stuff. Who is that? Stand up. Stand up. You just know stuff. You're knowers. You're knowers. That's just, you just, you don't even know why you know it. But you don't know it to go around telling everybody you know it. You know it to have faith. Sit back down. How many of you just like, you'll just get this random feeling. Like you'll just be feeling so good. And you'll just walk. I mean, you'll be happy. You woke up good. And you'll just walk somewhere. And all of a sudden you just feel weird. I mean, like super weird, like maybe depressed or heavy or whatever. Who's that? Y'all want to stand up? Phil wants to stand up. It's possible you're a feeler in the supernatural. Sit back down. Don't take those feelings and try to make everybody bow to you. Get out your rock. (laughs) (laughs) What? To defeat the enemy. So you're probably going to pick up on some pretty gross stuff. Because the enemy is what? He's killing, destroying. Stealing. I mean, it's an R-rated thing. He's like destroying stuff. It's not a pretty picture. It's not like flowers and 
daisies and people skipping. It's like depression, mayhem, suicidal thoughts. It's all of that. If you're not careful, you'll become a victim of your gift. Are you receiving me tonight or am I making you? Am I offending you already? Listen, I'm trying to challenge you that you have this powerful thing in you. And I'm pretty sure you're not using it to its full potential. Because it's meant to be wielded with the Holy Spirit to destroy the works of the enemy and take back territory. What's territory? Hearts. Take back people who are on the verge of suicide. Set them up. Then make it work for you. Make that suicidal thought work for you. Say, show me. Show me, Holy Spirit, who's suicidal today. I'm taking them down. I'm taking that devil down. I'm taking down everything that's around them. I'm breaking that stuff and that depression off of them. And they're going to be set free. What? To fulfill their purpose. I wouldn't take it lying down no more. Listen, the cool thing about... Can I say a couple more things or are y'all bored? I'll go with shooty. Um... The cool thing about the Holy Spirit is that this really can fall in generational lines. Let me prove it. Can I? Sure. So, you know, Breezy has been here for a while, and the Holy Spirit falls on her in a really unique way. A lot of people, even in her own family, have judged her for it. But she is an expressionary. Now, Brother Jared, he hadn't been around her since she's met the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit falls on them the same. Have you noticed? You can't make that stuff up. That's proof of how the Holy Spirit loves to operate through a family line. Right? <laughs> that's her. That, that shotgun laughter, that's her. See, a lot of us need to get some freedom like that because why? It's a weapon. I promise you, by seeing the Holy Spirit falls on them the same way, it's a weapon. It's the necessary power. Why? She was depressed. Ever been depressed? Why? They were suicidal. Ever been suicidal? I don't know his story like I do hers, but I bet it's the same. Why? Because that also falls in a generational line. That's called a curse. And over here is a blessing. And all it means is I just have to turn the page to see, oh my gosh, the enemy lied to us. I mean, if I was, if I was getting a revelation, I would go home and I would write some stuff on the wall. I'd be like, we are not cursed. We're a bunch of crazy feelers around here. Let's see what God's saying. We're a bunch of crazy knowers over here. Let's see what God's saying. You know, another weird thing about both of them is that they have the gifts. They're both noble, like Lenny. Lenny don't. I tried to buy her a $200 purse, and she sent that thing back. I don't even understand the purse ministry personally. I'm pretty sure I could have a brown paper sack. I would, I would color on it, of course, but I, I'm pretty sure I could. I could make it last, but no. So, you know, Pam went and bought the boys some shoes tonight, and I was like, don't get no scuzzy shoes because he's noble. Yeah. Don't be going over there 
It's okay, but I'm just saying, with noble people, it didn't make sense to them. Don't go to Walmart getting those scuzzy shoes, right? <laughs> Why? They can't turn that off. Yeah. These are just spiritual gifts. What are they meant for? Now, I know some of y'all want to be noble, but you're just not. You'd be okay with the paper sack too. See, that's okay. What the package that he made us is meant to fulfill a destiny, not meant to meet our needs. He's the need provider, not your destiny. Your assignment is for others. Your fruit is for others. It's not for you. That's I'm coming. Okay, let me end with this first instance. Mendel's coming. I'm going to preach Sunday. <laughs> I want to preach Sunday on this. I've copied these notes into my notes for a whole two months, and I never... 2 Corinthians 1. Now it is God who established and confirm, for, firm, firm, <laughs> pulling a Biden, hold on, confirms us. <laughs> don't go there, don't go there, don't go there, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, no, 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 no. Come on, Mendel. Gosh, that was great. Do you want me to read it for you? Was <laughs> I feel like I should. I don't know. I've got it pulled up already. Amplified or passion? Amplified, 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22. <laughs> now it is God who establishes and confirms us in joint fellowship with you in Christ and who has anointed us empowering us with the gifts of the Spirit. It is He who has also put His seal on us. That is, He has appropriated us and certified us as His. Certified. Certifiable. And has given us the Holy Spirit in our hearts as a pledge, like a security deposit, to guarantee the fulfillment of His promise of eternal life. So good. Don't you love the Word of God? Oh, so good. So good. Wow. Sometimes I have that. I like, I, I'm like, I'm going to read this entire chapter. You're like, I'm going to read, I'm just going to read it from beginning to end. And you, I just almost never can because you only get like two verses in and you're just stuck there for like a month. You know, you're just over and over on that same because it's so deep and you see something new all the time. But, anyways. Anyways, what a great message. Don't you love it? I love the analogy, the, the idea that God wanted to actually write on our own hearts. And I just think that's such a great um, demonstration of his mercy to know that the story of mankind, that God came down, rescued his people. It's like, all right, here we go. I'm going to write on your hearts. Um, you're going to know me. I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. We're going to talk face to face. And they were like, nah you know, you're kind of scary and we'll just build this golden calf instead. And yet all those years later, I mean, talk about rejection, right? Talk about offense and rejection and insult. And um, so, um, but then in his mercy, God sent Jesus and he, he sent Jesus to come and walk the earth to demonstrate um, God's father, 
hood and, and all of that he demonstrated for us, and then to be the sacrifice to restore us to him so that we could return to having that option of having him right on our hearts. And like she said, in our hearts and our minds, bind, the Holy Spirit binding the his God's thoughts to our heart and our minds. Man, talk about freedom. Um, you know, and I was reminded as uh, as Tisa was was sharing this message tonight that it is the lordship of Jesus, of course, like we talked about on Sunday, that brings freedom. But it's the lordship of Jesus that makes that all possible, right? That makes it possible for Him to begin to write on our own hearts. And otherwise, we revert back basically to the story that she shared with Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar, where somebody has to come and write it on the wall for you to hear it, you know. And and then there's um, that it's it's such a contradictory um, option to me. I don't know anybody why anybody would want to choose that. But what I've discovered is that we unknowingly choose that. We unknowingly choose that because we think our way is right. We aren't accustomed to yielding. We think that our thoughts are good. We think our ways are right. God would even agree with them, and God would back me up on my ways because they're good, you know? They make sense. And that's happening in so, so many of us in so many different ways. And of course, we always talk here about how it's a process, you know, and you can be, you can have made Jesus Lord of your life in one area and still be Lord of your own life in another area. And so it's always um, an ongoing process. But it reminded me back in the end of October of last year in 22, do you guys remember when we had the whole vision message, the prophetic message of the vision? And one of the visions in the vision was about Jesus being back on the cross and he revealed to us that we put Jesus back on the cross sometimes in these moments. It's this type of of situation where we actually, we have Jesus established as our Lord and Savior. The Bible says that he's our king and our high priest. And so I discovered when that all was going down in October that it was the high priest of the day in Jerusalem and all of that when Jesus actually walked the earth who crucified Jesus. It was the high priest who crucified him. The people who were supposedly his his guys, right? They actually were the ones who crucified Jesus. And I thought it was so interesting, and I have not let this, um, I have not, thankfully, not forgotten this, and I've, I've made myself a little note to remind me every single day for, for ongoing everyday decisions that there was a corrupt system back then. There were two high priests, There's only supposed to be one high priest, but the high priest that was supposed to have been retired and replaced by the next high priest just hung around. He never let go of power. And so there was Annas and Caiaphas, I believe were their names, and they were the guy who was supposed to have been succeeded, who supposedly no longer had authority as a high priest, was actually still calling the shots. Now, that is a picture of where we find ourselves. As I said, we make Jesus Lord. We say, you can, you're my high priest in this area, but I'm going to stick around and still operate and, in fact, call the shots on this other area. That corrupt system of having two high priests puts Jesus back on the cross. It, it re-crucifies Jesus instead of receiving from him the access to and the activation of and the leading of all of these gifts that Tisa talked about that were pre-planted in our design. 
And so I just wanted to mention that again, because that's a powerful picture to me. When I, I made myself a little note, Jesus, you are my high priest. You are my high priest. The high priest in back in the day was the mediator between God and mankind. And now we do have the Holy Spirit here. But when we step into that role of being high priest ourselves, we are saying, Jesus, we don't need you to be the mediator between us anymore. And that's essentially the same thing in my mind as saying, I don't want you to write on my heart. God, I'll take the writing on the wall instead. I'll do my own thing. And so I hope that maybe that would just be something that you could adopt yourself because obviously this is an emphasis right now that God is trying to say, hey, in every area you can practice yielding in every area you can. Yielding is something you have to practice. You can practice on the small things and develop your strength and your flexibility and your ability to yield on the bigger things. So practice every chance you get, because in every everything that God is speaking, he's saying, this is important. This is important. This is a time on earth where you will not be able to get by and slide by without having me as Lord of your life in every area. And so thank you, Papa. I just thank you, Jesus, and I thank you, Holy Spirit. And we just say, Jesus, you are truly our King, our High Priest. We say that we put you on the throne of our lives, not just in some areas, but in every area of our lives. We say yes again to you, God, that we want to hear and feel and experience your writing on our heart. We want to be your people. We want you to be our God. We want to meet with you face to face and have the intimate connection with you that you have always desired and always planned for. So we thank you for this message today. We thank you for all the opportunities in the coming week. We just say thank you in advance for every one of those opportunities coming up where we get to yield. Every one, the ones that we're going to cringe at when we realize this is it. This is what we talked about. And that one right now, we say thank you for that. And we say yes in advance. And we will choose obedience. We will choose obedience as that is what fastens your words to our heart and our mind. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Papa. So we thank you, Jesus. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would continue to move um, in people's hearts and minds as they dream, as they work, as they go to the grocery store, as they're driving down the road, whatever, in their interactions, just intersect them with people and other um, conversations to even highlight this emphasis of this message tonight. So we just thank you, Papa. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.